at that time when your testosterone is so low, you can't get it up. And that is the worst thing for a male at 24, not, not being able to have sex after a nine-year relationship. On this episode, we're talking body image and everything that comes with it, from the life-altering effects of steroids to the dangers of comparing yourself to Instagram and how to keep your sanity. A lot of the older boys that gave me that advice had heart attacks or are not here anymore. We've got Mark Mattiazzo on the show. These days, he's an online coach and personal trainer who lives and breathes health and well-being. But he's done a complete 360 from where he was years ago. In five years' time, mate, you're going to have problems and you're going to regret it. On steroids, obsessed with his appearance and totally unhappy. I've been fake for so long, this is not me. And it was hard. Mark is a really knowledgeable guy with a super engaging story to tell that many will relate to on some level and one that could even change your mind. He's extremely open and honest about stuff most would never admit to and has a genuineness to him that's awesome to listen to. If you want to get into bodybuilding, fantastic. It's good for discipline, like getting you in the gym, but it has a very negative side. That's followed by a frank discussion about the risks and realities of using steroids with Professor Gary Widdett, a fellow of the Australian Academy of Health and Medical Sciences and world-renowned endocrinologist. Larger tongues that have increased soft tissue around their neck and that adds to the risk of, of collapsing the airways of, overnight and, and stopping breathing. Welcome to Young Blood, a podcast about young men's health sponsored by the Freemasons Foundation Centre for Men's Health. My name's Callum, I'm a journalist, and this is our mission to talk about the stuff that matters and isn't talked about enough. Let's do it. So take us back to the start of your training journey. When did it all begin? Sure. So I was 17, so I was playing a high-level basketball at Tyner. I was playing state at that time, and um, I was always hanging around with older guys, and I, was, I, I saw that they were getting bigger, and I wanted to get into that gym atmosphere. Um, and yeah, at the time I was playing basketball, so I got into the weights um, with them. And I got taught by a few older boys. They were probably 25, 30, and I was 17 at the time. And, you know, I could see that they were getting, you know, bigger. So I started asking them about training and all that kind of stuff. And um, Were you mostly focused on trying to jump higher at that point when you first started? Yeah, so my idol was Michael Jordan. So, yeah, that was... <laughs> So, uh, yeah, definitely. I used to do all those jump programs and so forth. But it was performance-based lifting that you wanted yeah, to get better for yeah, your sport. Yeah, 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 100%. So, I started getting into the gym um, one day at Sassy um, when I was playing state ball. I was in the gym and I was doing a seated row and I blew my back out. So, uh, what happened was I, I hemorrhaged a disc. I was on the floor, couldn't get up. And then I'd go straight to the hospital and they had to operate me on me straight away. So it was that bad. So I couldn't feel my right leg um, at all. So I couldn't get up. So at 17, had that back operation, came out of that. I tried to, well, I did get back into basketball, but I noticed, you know, I couldn't leap like I could and so forth. And I was getting heavily, more heavily into the gym. I'm like, okay, well, I'll just get stronger. If I can't leap and run as fast as I could, I'll get stronger. So I started hanging around with those boys, as I said, and I got into more of the bodybuilding side. Instead of going, you know, training as an athlete, as I started, I wanted to get more into bodybuilding. We started getting to the vanity side of it. Did things. you give up um, basketball at that point? No, not yet. So I was there and I was playing basketball still, but then I started getting to that whole vanity thing. I want to look good and all that kind of stuff. And you're about 17, 18. Well, after that back operation, it took about six, seven months, eight months of rehab, as the back does. And then I became a personal trainer 
uh, in year 12, that was 17, 18. At that point, I got heavily into bodybuilding, wanted to compete. This was probably when I was 21. I started competing and then started getting advice from the wrong people, uh, especially in the gym. They're like, oh, you know, you, you can get bigger quicker. You just need to take this and that. And I'm like, okay, what are these, what's this stuff? And then I started researching more on it. And yeah, it's the, I suppose the five people you hang around with is what you are. Yeah, so I did my first cycle when I was 22 or 21, 22. And just for people who don't know the lingo, what are you talking about? So cycle, so I, would, I was doing testosterone at the time. So everyone, every male has testosterone in them. When you inject testosterone, there's a lot more testosterone in your body, flowing in your body. So your body actually switches off while you're using testosterone. It actually turns off because it doesn't need to use it anymore. So I was using testosterone. Then I started getting on all the anabolics like Deca, Trembolone, and all, so, all that kind of stuff. Horrible, horrible, horrible stuff. But you see, the, you see how quickly you can grow. You see how much stronger, how much you recover and all that kind of stuff. And it was helping my basketball, but I was going the wrong way. And what were these guys who were encouraging you to get into it? What were they telling you about yeah. it that convinced you? So, look, I suppose I was training with these bigger guys. Um, so I wanted to look like them. And they were saying, you know, take this and that. And you would think someone would go to a doctor and ask a doctor, what are these things and how to use them, not a guy off the street. So I started, I started dabbling into all different things. And instead of cycling, so cycling is when you come off after 12 weeks or whatever it was, I would say, oh, I'm just going to stay on testosterone for two years. Crazy. That's what I did. So what happened here was, you know, I, I got into competition. I came third into competition. So it's a very, look, if you want to get into bodybuilding, fantastic. It's good for discipline, like making your meal prep and all that and getting you in the gym. But it has a very negative side. It's not a nice coach to be in at that time. It may be different now, but 10 years ago. So even when I didn't come off, so I was staying on testosterone and they said that Mark stay on testosterone and don't come off and then just cycle your anabolics. So that's what I did, but that's still, okay. So when you're on these drugs, yes, it does change your hormones and um, how you're training and the way you look, but mentally it changes a lot and people it's very hard to explain. Um, I was having thoughts that I would never have before. I was looking at a lot of girls and I was in a 90 relationship at that time. And like, I was like, and I was thinking these really strange things and I wasn't sleeping. I was going up and down. I was depressed one week, then I'd be good the next week. And I'm like, oh, it's just normal. I went to hospital at least five, six times because of my heart. I just thought I was overtraining. It's crazy. And I, when I, and I was getting advice from these guys. So I thought, okay, this is normal so forth but i wasn't feeling right and also i think in school when i go when i go back in school i was then seeing you know i was an athlete like i was good at all sports but i saw like when i started doing this kind of stuff i was known as the big angry dude yeah so i had a little bit of a temper when i was younger and this just increased it and this is who i was then seen as what did you think of being that identity did you like that no not at all like that wasn't me. Like, I've always been a caring person. My father brought me up to care for everyone, help everyone. But then I had that temper. And then I'm like, I have to keep this up because everyone, this is what, this is my identity. So this is what I need to keep up or people think less of me. Yeah. So because you associated your self worth with being yeah, that physique of the physique. And, you know, I, was, I didn't do fantastic at school. I was always good at sports, but I wasn't, I suppose that was a cover up of my, I didn't think I was smart. You know what I mean? And this is what, I, this is all I had. Yeah, this is how you're going to yeah, make up for that. Or set yourself yeah. apart. Yeah, exactly. And it was just such a vanity thing. Like, 
yeah, so 22, got on it, two years. I uh, had a third back operation when I was 23. Um, so that, sorry, my second back operation was 23. And let's go to 24. So at that time, I went to my first big boys trip to Europe, you know, Ibiza, Tomorrowland, all that kind of stuff. And it's interesting when you start taking a certain substance, like I'd never taken cocaine or any of those things before. But when you take a certain substance, you do get addicted to these other ones. So I went away with the boys. The boys were taking it for a long period of time. Uh, partying, doing that and doing that. Man, my, like I was all over the place. So, you know, met, you meet lots of people when you travel as you do. I met a nice girl. We hooked up. And this is when I was in a relationship time. I'd never cheated on my girlfriend. And then I saw her in three different countries. And I don't know. My head was not there. I don't know what was what was wrong with me for, for me to do that, but I did. I came back after that European trip, came back. I uh, told my ex and she broke up with me after nine years. That was a pretty low point at, in my time. Well, you know, when I came back and I, and I told her and she obviously didn't forgive me, which is fair enough. Then I was like, you know, I still I started partying every weekend. I was still training and I was still in the basketball team. And I was like, and then one day I was, I reckon I was walking away from HQ one night at four in the morning. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, what am I doing? Yeah, what am I doing? And yeah, and then that from that day, I stopped everything. So I came off of everything at Were once. Were you still competing at that point? No, no, I only competed for that one year. Okay. Because, I mean, you talk about competing to start off with, mm -hmm. and there's a difference between, I guess, people who decide, oh, bodybuilding's my life, mm -hmm. so I can justify doing steroids, but mm -hmm. there's got to be... Seems like a lot of people these days, it's recreational mm -hmm. gym users mm -hmm. and very much that um, using steroids mm -hmm. and using it basically to uh, excel in mm -hmm. the party lifestyle, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to be someone who gets noticed or, or be one of those dudes in mm -hmm. an environment like you're talking about at, at nightclubs mm -hmm. and, and involving mm -hmm. other drugs in it. Those things and festivals, those mm -hmm. things are very mm -hmm. synonymous. They very much go together mm -hmm. and it's all about being a certain image because mm. of vanity because mm. no real yeah no real other reason that than to be bigger and more noticed than mm. other other guys yeah definitely so you would go to those festivals and you would diet down for a festival which just doesn't make sense to me now it's crazy it's for, for three months yeah yeah for one day yeah for one day because you thought people yeah. were looking at you yeah. that much that's and that's it's interesting we have that culture here yeah, especially like when I started, I've been to Europe now six, seven times. They don't do that there. They're all there to have fun and listen to the music. Here, it's whoever's the leanest, whoever's the biggest. And every festival, that's what, the, you know, that's what the festivals were like. Then I don't know about now. Yeah, well, they're gone now. Yeah, yeah, they're gone. It was a very, right. a very aggressive environment. Yeah, it, was a, it wasn't a nice environment to be in. Um, yeah, so when I came back, um, that happened with my ex. And then I said, I, you know, I was out at the time and I was like, you know, I can't do this anymore. Like, what am I doing with my life to be doing this? Like, it was just crazy. I came off of everything. So I came off testosterone anabolics. Okay. So when you come off of this after two years, your body does not produce anything anymore. So it just all shut down. Had your testicles atrophied by that point? Were they? Yeah, they came. Yeah, they did. But they, they did come back. But. My test level, so I used to get tested every six months to see where everything was at. My testosterone was so low, it was, I, yeah, you can't describe it. And okay, so when this happens, 
pressure was really high. Like I was in a really, really, really bad space. Um, I tried to commit suicide twice and I couldn't control my emotions. I, and, I, and I was going to the doctor and they were giving me PCT, so it's post-cycle stuff. That wasn't working because I'd been on for so long because I got told to do this by these guys. And I was in a really, really dark place at the time. Um, it took me a while to fix this and I started studying nutrition at the time. And what- How were you viewing yourself at that time? Because you'd gone from sort of top of the mountain high, yeah. to, to yeah. the bottom. So when you're on anabolics and all that, you feel like you, you just feel like a superhero. You feel, yeah, your thoughts are just so different and you feel so different. And the way I was feeling of what I did to my ex, the way just I couldn't sleep, I was having those thoughts all the time. I was just a mess. And it was interesting. I was speaking to a lot of guys had that had come off at that time as well. It's feeling the same way. And I was like, what do I do? How do I fix this? So I started, I started nutrition and I started fasting like six, six years ago. And I started changing the way I train and ate. So I did a lot of mindset stuff, training tra- uh, changed and so did my nutrition. And I started fasting. So they're the things that actually fixed but myself. You training, you never stopped training? No, I didn't stop training. I cut it down. So I was training six or seven days a week, which is pointless. The, the six, seven day a week split. Pointless is the worst way to train as a natural athlete. But what I was doing, I was training as a geared athlete because I thought it was the same, but it's not the same. You shouldn't be training the same as someone that's on anabolics, which frustrates me because majority of Instagram, the guys are and are on anabolics and they're telling you, this is my program, do it. This is how you eat. No, it's so different to someone that's on or off. Um, and it also, I suppose, helped me with my clients uh, because uh, if I was training someone that was on, someone that was off, it would completely be completely different. So I changed my training to three days a week, full body. I have for six. Well, I've been like that for five, six years now. And my nutrition changed, and I do, and I fast as well. And then after time, it started climbing back up. So what happened here is my stress levels, my cortisol was so high constantly because I was overtraining, 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 and under eating, as you get told by a lot of coaches out there. And I, it wasn't coming. My testosterone wasn't coming back up. So I did this over time. It took me a few years and that did improve. Um, but it did take time. And I think a lot of the guys now, I know because I did it, they jump off and like, oh no, my testosterone is not going up and I'm feeling this way. I want to feel good again. Jump straight back on. And majority of the guys that started when I started, when I was younger, are still on. And a lot of the older boys that gave me that advice have had heart attacks or are not here anymore. And you could see even just not just that f- the fact of their health. They're not like the relationships are always having problems because of their emotional state. They're always getting to fights, always getting to trouble. The majority of those guys that, you know, were doing those things were probably selling it too. And that was a big thing. I don't know now, but I know when 10 years ago, that was a big thing there. Like steroids was big. Everyone wanted to get big. Now it's more fit and athletic, which is great. So it's changing a lot. And it's interesting when you're on, you think that, you think girls like that? No, 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 no. They don't. They like like a healthy, lean guy. But that's what we thought. But it was more us looking at each other. No one at that level, no one's doing it for girls anymore. Yeah, 100%. It might have been how it started. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's also similar for girls who are obsessed with training. They're not doing it for guys. Yeah. You know, we're all doing it for, well, we'd say ourselves, mm-hmm. but we're all doing it because we're measuring up mm-hmm, against, mm-hmm. against other, 100%. other men. And the one thing, look, I suppose... I've been on Instagram for a while, been a PT for what, 13 years now, whatever is a nutritionist for five. The problem I have with social media is 
these people are giving these diets out and just promoting these ridiculous programs and saying you look like me if you do this stop doing it guys because you're making people sick and people like if they can't get that to that look majority of sorry 95 percent are old photoshop because even when i was living in changu bali for the year i saw plenty of that it's not what they look like guys so we need to stop looking at these instagram influencers as what we want to look at it's like your health and, is and it's called the health and fitness industry but mm. it seems largely it's not about either no, of those no, things no we need to the whole purpose of a coach should be educating a person how to eat um just the basics eat train sleep the basics but we're doing all these crazy diets and we're especially with women like i was helping a lot of women that couldn't get their period back for five years because they've been dieted down so badly and now they're scared of food and majority of these people that are in this industry are scared to eat or you know what people think of them um, because i don't look a certain way and it's not i've nearly quit so many times in this industry because of that reason because it's such a toxic place and not people on instagram are not helping the the youth when they're coming up but that's the overwhelming majority of what you see is just mm. that deluge mm. of unbelievably yeah. shredded physiques yeah. that all pretty much look the same mm -hmm. because that's the level that they're at. But you get young boys who are starting training when they're in their teens mm -hmm. and then through to early 20s mm -hmm. and you're lifting. And these days they're looking at that and saying, oh, well, that's that's the goal. That's where I can get to. Mm -hmm. And then they've got the people that they look up to mm -hmm. saying, buy my program, buy my supplements, do, do my mm -hmm. training, mm -hmm. and you'll become you like me. And that's just not possible. Mm -hmm. What does that do to young guys who mm -hmm. are trying to get into lifting trying yeah. to get into building a, a strong body now remember people have different genetics everyone wants to be if they're in the bodybuilding world they want to be a mr olympia you're not going to i'm sorry but you're not going to be mr olympia yet. so you have to have certain genetics okay these guys do take anabolics but they have crazy genetics if everyone could do that everyone would just jump on and they would get to the stage yeah and that's the other thing to keep in mind i suppose with steroids and you see a lot of the time that you know, people who might be taking something, they mm. a lot of them don't look particularly mm. good. Mm -hmm. um, some don't look like even like they lift weights because they might not have a good program. Mm -hmm. People jumping on steroids rather than getting their training and eating mm -hmm. sorted out. Yeah. So it it does take a lot more than just taking the drug, mm -hmm. but at the same time, comparing someone who does take steroids compared to someone who doesn't is mm -hmm. a, a massive jump as well. A hundred percent. And like when I speak to younger guys now, and they're like. I know that they're on it and I ask them, so why are you doing it? And they go to me, oh, I just want to look bigger and I want to get stronger. I'm like, man, you can do that in a natural way. It's going to take longer. Just please just do it the natural way. It's not necessary and you're doing it just for the vanity. And in five years time, mate, you're going to have problems and you're going to regret it. And some of them listen, but majority of them don't because they just see this short term. And it's um, intoxicating, mm -hmm. I, I imagine, being... At, in that early 20s time period where you can pretty quickly, you know, within a year and a half, mm -hmm. two years of training hard and, and doing mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. you can be one of those guys in that circle mm -hmm. and you're not thinking about the the long term. Oh, no, not at all. You're not thinking of what you're doing to your body. Like lucky I sorted my stuff out and I, could, I fixed my body with nutrition and training and so forth. But 95% of guys do not have the patience and they won't do that. So they're just going to stay on for the rest of their lives. You have so your your testosterone is so high, late uh, teens, early twenties. You don't need to be on that just 
start working on your training and your nutrition. Listen to someone that's been in the game for a long period of time. Don't just get advice off a guy on Instagram that's jacked up. You're not going to get a good program. Just give yourself time. Stop trying to rush things. So what about when you're going to gym all the time and giving it everything and it's one of your top priorities mm-hmm. because you've got time for it to be mm-hmm. and people you're training around are, are getting on it and mm-hmm. are just you know blowing you out of the water with their progress. How should people respond when they see that? I guess in terms of the way they view themselves and, mm-hmm. and what's most important. I would just say, look, what's my goal? Why am I doing this? Like, why do I want to jump on? I just want to look good. If it's the fact that you just want to look good and it's the vanity side, you need to start learning that's not as important as your health long term. And if you want to live longer and even your just your headspace is not going to help your headspace or and and also the people that you surround yourself makes a big difference. So majority of those guys that are taking that long term, not all of them, but majority of them probably not the best people to hang around with Um, and you find that a lot of the old school bodybuilding gyms no disrespect to those gyms but try and go to a gym that's more like functional training not cross doesn't have to be crossfit but more functional training where that's not really like it's more of a community so be careful what gyms you go to or train by yourself and work out a routine yourself you don't need to be going to the gym with a couple of guys because then you start comparing yourself to your friends and so forth. But always ask the question, why am I doing this? Trust me, injecting in your bum every week is not fun. You don't want to be doing any of this stuff. Also, majority of the, uh, the guys might want, not want to inject, so they'll take orally. That will destroy your liver long-term and you, that won't recover. So yeah, the, <laughs> both sides aren't good. But just always ask yourself that question, why am I doing this? And if it's for vanity and if it's for, um, I want to look good for this girl that you might not see in the next 10 years or whatever it is, just stop yourself because it's not worth what's going to happen after because, yeah, and the amount of money I've spent on obviously fixing myself and so forth and going to the wrong doctors, and it's not fun and it's not a good headspace to be in. How low did you get? Mentally, I mean, talk about a two-year pe- period mm. trying to recover your mm. test levels and, you know, get yourself back yeah. to a point where you felt normal. Yeah. Just like, can you explain how dark that was? Yeah. So, like I said, I, I tried to um, commit suicide twice. Look, I didn't want to be around anyone. Um, I couldn't, uh, you know, at that time when your testosterone is so low, you, you can't get it up. And that is the worst thing for a male at 24, not, not being able to have sex after a nine-year relationship. So you would think you want to, you know, meet other girls and so forth. And, but not that you, that, number one, because your testosterone is so low, you're not going to be getting any more erections. And that after being on testosterone where you probably had a walking erection. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So you were horny all the time. There wasn't a time where, yeah, you didn't have, you weren't thinking those thoughts. Especially trembolones. Now, this injection is for horses. Okay, so and bulls. Yeah, yeah, and bulls. And that's what I was putting into myself. Oh my god, no sleep. The way you felt it was it was it wasn't good. Anyway, um, yeah. So I was not in a good space. Um, I didn't tell anyone. I kept it to myself. I kept a smile, and I still still act normal. Were you living at home at the time? Yeah, at the time I was. Your yeah. parents didn't nah, find out. Nah, 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 dad. They only found out probably two years ago. Yeah, yeah. So, 
like you didn't really have anyone to talk to and I was that masculine male. So who am I going to talk to? Like all the guys I was hanging around with were all, you know, I came from Italian background, we're all Greeks, Italian servants, we're all like masculine kind of dudes. So you don't talk, you don't really talk about that stuff. It's interesting. And um, so you're really feeling pretty isolated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you do isolate. I, I was isolating myself a lot. Yeah, no, that was probably the lowest, lowest point in my life. It took a while for me to to get better. And talking about it definitely helps. It doesn't have to always be a psychologist, but someone that you can trust to talk to. That's why I suppose men's circles could be good. And, you know, it it is hard. Like, if you do feel this way, I suggest you talk to someone straight away so they can help you. Um, it doesn't always have to be a psychologist. It can be. But, yeah, definitely one thing I didn't do was talk to people because I was that masculine male and, you know, I didn't have any problems or so forth. And as soon as you started talking about it, what did that do for you or what was your reaction? Did you have tears? Did you yeah. find that a big emotional sort of load off your shoulders? Yeah, 100%. Like, I, yeah, like it was a massive load off my shoulders. I, yeah, I cried a fair bit and like obviously all my hormones were out of whack so I was, wasn't in the best state of mind. But um, talking about it definitely helped and it definitely relaxed me because I didn't have to hold it in anymore. I, had, I didn't have to like be fake, this fake person. Uh, that I wasn't really, yeah. Do you uh, feel like you see a lot of that across the board where people were trapped in yeah. in having to be that? Yeah, you even see it. Majority of the men, a lot of the men you see in the gyms are acting all tough and they've got this, they put this shield up and you can see it. And I noticed this from traveling a lot and here, I don't know what it is. Uh, people put up this shield and I was like that too. They don't want to see, you don't want us people to see your weaknesses, yeah? And... I just it's it's still around and you can see it and i think um one also thing that helped me a lot from the age of 24 i just started reading a lot if it was due to do with business or self-development i read i hated reading when i was younger i just hated it but now now i just listen to audiobooks because i get through it quicker um and then i started listening to guys that are doing well for example you probably hear about gary v um even joe rogan's good to listen to gary v um and those kind of guys in those fields they really helped because uh, they really talked to the younger community, I suppose, in that fact. But books and audio books definitely helped. I stopped listening to really music and that was basically what I listened to every single day. Um, even some of the motivational stuff, if you want to listen to in the morning, meditation can help too. So if you do it, try it. It, did, it took me a while to do meditation because a lot of thoughts go through my head. But even a 10 minute meditation in the morning and night would really help as well. Even though it doesn't, it sounds a bit hippie, but it's not. Majority of the sports teams, the Bulls do it, like when Michael Jordan used to play, and a lot of the sports teams do it now. So yeah, yeah. you had to totally switch your priorities. Did you mm -hmm. feel like you were reborn? Yes. So what I did was um, also cleared. I know it sounds bad, but cleared the people, like cleared out the people I was hanging around with. You have to. Have to. That is huge. If you guys. If you're in this position, you're feeling this way now, look at who you're hanging around with. That's it. And then that, like they say, the five people you hang around with is what you are. It is so true. Just look at it. Look at your who's around you. and Because you're going to normalize that. Mm-hmm. Yep. 100%. And that's, and you want to fit in. We're like sheep. We want to fit in. So, if, and I was especially like that. I always wanted to, you know, even when I was on that stuff, I wanted to help people and fit in. I didn't want people to feel, oh, you know, not like me. Guys, look after yourself 
and be you because at the end of the day you're the one at the end you know what i mean like you wanted to be looked up to yeah, but for the wrong reasons 100 percent. and when i was and I, when i came off of all that stuff and i just started changing my headset people were like you've changed you've changed i missed the old mark i saw a comment on one of your posts oh, that said mate. that and I, I was that one of those people yeah you've changed i miss the old mark i miss i miss angry mark i'm like guys i i think i messaged him i said man don't be messaging me that stuff but did those people love you though well supposedly it's interesting how easy was it to in those relationships or how did that come about um as in like after or before yeah when you decided to change your life and, mm. and those guys you used to associate with yeah you know how simple was that were they very close friends or? yeah so we like i had a very like probably 16 of us used to see each other nearly every second day um i still love some of the boys um but as interesting from my 21st to my 30th which is last year um i saw the group of people that were at my birthday yeah, majority of them now are deported or <laughs> or in some of them jail. So it's interesting. Like I never got involved in that stuff, but it's very interesting and the way my headset's changed since then. And it's just, you just want to fit in. And it's hard for people to see you change because they're not changing. So, and they think, oh, what's wrong with you? Well, we have to, we have to move forward. You have to change. Like that's the whole purpose of living. Well, I guess you, you fundamentally have to, go one way or, or mm. the other at mm. that fork in the road. So 100%. if you're going to change who you are as a person mm. and your priorities and the way you see things, mm. you need to find people who are going to come with you on that yeah. journey or not. Yeah, 100%. And it's very interesting. Were they, you know, people upset with you? Yeah, I had lots of people upset with me. And, and it was upsetting me because I was having to let go of people that I did so much stuff with and they didn't, it's upsetting me because they didn't understand me and they weren't supporting which and uh, supporting me when i was always there for them i was always supporting them with through anything their girlfriend problems or whatever it is but because they they like the old me they want nothing to do with it yeah it's very interesting so it must be hard finding out that people they don't love you unconditionally mm -hmm. they don't really love mm -hmm. who you are who you want to be mm -hmm. you know no matter what that is they love whatever image you were that was yeah yeah and what really also helped me was traveling so i've traveled to i think 17 countries now um in my 20s and meeting people from around the world definitely changed the way i thought and people that i hardly knew cared more about me than the people i knew for like 10 15 years so i, I definitely if you haven't traveled you're in your 20s go like travel you have to travel you have to see the world adelaide is a beautiful place i love adelaide i was born here but it can be very small-minded and it's a small community here. So travel, open up your mind and you and you change the way you think as well. And so tell us about your, your work now. Like what's your sure. what's your um, coaching all about? Yeah, sure. So before I was purely just a personal trainer, then I you know got into nutrition. And now the last few years now I'm just like I was helping men and women, but now from my story, I just want to help men, younger men, and also older men as well, um, that are confused on what to do with their you know, health and fitness. So after 30, they think they have to put on weight and so forth. It's not true. But my program now is um, I've got clients in America and Singapore at the moment, so I'm purely online now, where I'm helping them through not just their fat loss goals and their muscle building goals, but it's a long term. I'm helping them with mindset as well, but it's long term. 
I'm not doing these 16-week programs where we get them to that body fat percentage and then I let them go. It's I see it over and over again. Coaches are doing that and they're ruining people. Mine's long-term. I'm teaching um, the person or the guy on, the, on nutrition and training and giving them a long-term approach. If we can't do something long-term, we don't start it. Like there's a keto diet, there's a high-carb diet. Great. If you want to do that, if you think you can do that for the rest of your life, which you will not, I guarantee, there's no point in starting it. Don't do And also with training, don't train six, seven days a week. You're not going to do that if you've got kids and a family. When are you going to do that? For sure. How do we, how do we be happy with our body image? Well, I suppose for the younger generation, not stop looking at Instagram, but just be careful what you're looking at. So when I was also in Changu, um, Bali, lot of million dollar, uh, sorry, million follower people that were there and all that. I met a lot of them. They don't look like what they look in the, in the picture at all. Um, stop, stop comparing. Just stop comparing yourself. You're, you're you. Do the best you can um, with your with your training and nutrition, and just set a goal. Set a goal. You know, I want I want to lose this much weight, or I want to get my nutrition on track. So little goals. Um, and then work, how am I going to get there? And then look at why, again, why are you doing it? So I think there's so much information out there and there's so many influencers, I suppose you call them now, um, that they're looking at and they're looking, I'm oh, not perfect. Stop trying to be perfect. Just start off with the basics. Always start off with the basics. Don't look for those uh, magical diets. There's no such thing. It's actually hard work. Even for the guys that are on anabolics, it is hard work to get where they get as well. But Depending what your goal is, just work, like I would say, look at what you're eating first, see what you're eating, and then get get into training and see what fits in your life and you can do for the rest of your life. So how do you see yourself now having been what you were before mm-hmm. to being you know, a much healthier version that's gone through mm-hmm. so much? I'm a lot clearer now. Like, I don't... One thing I've learned is not to care what other people think. Very hard to do sometimes, but not to care what other people think. And if you don't look after yourself, no one's going to look after you, to be honest with you. Myself, yeah, clear. My, I've got my head's a lot clearer. Um, I'm more focused. I don't know. I'm more, I'm more relaxed, I suppose. I'm not always. That's a hard one. Do you feel like you're the man you want to be? Yeah. Yeah. But and how did, you, how did you feel, you know, when you were in the midst of steroids? How comfortable with yourself were you? So. Everyone might have thought I was happy. I was not happy. Inside, I was not happy at all. Behind closed doors, I, like, yeah, man, I was a different, different person behind closed doors. Um, I might have looked fantastic on the outside, but on the inside, I wasn't feeling good, man. Like mentally, emotionally, um, even just my gut wasn't right. There was plenty. So when I start, also when I started fixing up my gut, because the gut-brain connection is massive, um when i started fixing up my gut it uh cleared a lot of things up what you see when you see these guys even the influencers they might look happy but (laughs) behind closed doors they're not trust me they're not living a happy happy life they're just taking the picture smiling the picture for you guys so you buy this stuff Mm. with your health the health is the most important thing and when you take any of these um anabolics or testosterone whatever it is your thoughts are going to change and the way you are is going to change. So if you're, depending what you're doing in your life, if you're studying and so forth, it's probably the worst thing to do because it's not going to, you're going to lose focus. You're going to lose, you know, your goal might be to be a lawyer or whatever it is. 
these things, your thoughts change. And um, if you're not doing it for any purpose or reason, don't do it. Yeah. I suppose if you're trying to do other stuff in your life other than be a personal yeah. trainer yeah. or an influencer, yeah. Yeah. You can't really be going around it, mm. you know, 110 kilos shredded. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that's, that's not your job. Like the Mr. Olympias, that's their actual job. Like they wake up four in the morning, they, they do their cardio, they eat what 4,000 calories or whatever it is. You're not going to do this. So you're just putting a, a, a substance in your body. You're not going to get there. You're not going to look like what they look like at all. Do you know people who've gone that, that route mm. um, and are are happy or are, are okay? No. No, no, to be honest with you, no. They might tell you they are, but then when you know them, they're not. And they can't get off of it. That's the thing. And when they get to that stage where they come off, so what, what majority of the guys do is they come off and their testosterone obviously obviously drops really low. Then the doctor has to subscribe them um, testosterone forever. So that's what they're on forever. And they're just think about it. Do you really want to be injecting for the rest of your life? Whatever, for 80 years or whatever it is. I did see when I lived in Europe for a bit, it's very, I think it's very American and Australian that we're doing that because there's not a lot of that in Europe. Um, a lot of the young girls, you know, didn't wear makeup, didn't do all that to their face and so forth. Even the guys, they weren't, didn't miss see many guys on steroids. They were just enjoying their lives. Yeah, they'll be fit. The majority of them are fit, but that's it. Yeah, it's interesting. And And not having that be such a big factor mm-hmm. in your life. Do you feel like you just got a lot more space to yeah. do everything else? Space, money. I spent a lot of money on this stuff. Like it was ridiculous. I reckon I could have bought a house. Like it's crazy. So guys, think about it. Want to buy a house? Don't do it because you're not gonna you're not gonna have enough money. So it's crazy how much money I spent in time. And even when I was in that nine-year relationship and I was doing it, you know, she knew I was doing it, but I was so selfish. Like, she's like, can we go out to dinner or can we go out to lunch? No, 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 I have to eat this meal. I'm like, man, that is so bad. And I look back and I'm like, I felt so, so I feel so sorry for her in those days. I was never, you know, abusive to her or anything like that, but it's just like, that was my life. And I'm like, what did I get from it? Nothing, no money. So guys, if you think you're going to go into bodybuilding and get money, you're going to get no money unless you get sponsored and you get free stuff, but you will get no money. So I don't, if, if that's your goal, I'm going to get into bodybuilding. I'm going to make lots of money. That won't happen. And I just get the feeling that your story is a pretty rare one mm. in the way that you actually managed to bring yourself back yeah. from that level and do yeah. that much work, yeah. you know, after being so affected by drugs yeah. to still have the, uh, the wherewithal to go yeah. through that and do it the hard way. Mm. And you're not, you're not on testosterone, testosterone no, no, no. Re- replacement therapy now, though. No, no. You didn't have to. Do, you didn't no, have to no, stay no, on that. Nearly did. How how grateful are you now? Oh, very grateful, mate. And I don't know who. I suppose what helped me a lot, like I said, uh, audio books, um, books that I read, or just I don't know what pushed me that night when I walked home from the club. I don't know what it was. So something like, "What are you doing?" Because I, I, I was like, "This is not me. I've been fake for so long." This is not me. And it was hard, man, especially with old friends. Me changing, they're like, who are you? Like, what's, I'm like, it was, it was hard. Yeah. I wouldn't say it was easy. Yeah. Such a good story, man. Yeah. Thanks, man. So Appreciate good. It. Where do people find you? Um, well, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Mark Health Matiazzo. And my business is Attract New Health. That's my business name. So, yeah, mainly through Instagram at the moment. Well, 
Thanks so much for sharing your story, Thank man. You. Thank you for You're having the me perfect on. guy to tell this story, and I feel yeah. like it affects just so many thousands of people, and it's something that's so prevalent at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure plenty of people listening to this would be having, you know, second thoughts if they've gone that route or if they're thinking about doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that so many people are going to be able to relate to or, or take something out of. So. I think it's just so important to to educate people and tell them your own story. And thanks for being so honest about yeah. it as well, because it's it's a contentious issue that people yeah. don't want to speak about honestly. Right. And um, the only way to uh, let people know what it really is is to is to talk about it. So mm-hmm. it's it's massive, man. Thanks so much. Thank you very much for having me on. And guys, if you're having these thoughts, talk to someone. Don't keep it to yourself. Trust me. Just talk to someone. All right. But thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks, Legend. Man. Legend. After talking to Mark, I was lucky enough to sit down with Professor Gary Widdett, a renowned endocrinologist who clears up some of the questions you might have about what steroids do to the body and what the outlook is for recovering natural testosterone levels. So how badly have you seen steroids damage young men? Well, I mean, I don't prescribe steroids for young men. Um, much of the information comes to me from only very occasional interactions with someone who may have been using anabolic steroids. But for the most part, um, looking through cases of people who've got themselves into difficulty with the medical board for prescribing uh, these medications or or in other ways colluding with their use, uh, where, where bodybuilders are presented looking for um, prescriptions. And from your research, what can doing steroids do to the body, especially for young guys? Well, you know, these young guys are not using replacement doses of anabolic androgenic steroids and their their feeling about uh, how you um, combine these agents, so they stack, um, which is to get the maximal amount of muscle growth out of them while minimizing any adverse effects is, is somewhat of, um, you know, the emperor's not wearing any clothes because there's no damage mitigation and there's no real way of separating the androgenic and the anabolic effects, it's a package deal. And um, when you start uh, administering these things in uh, in very large quantities, firstly, you're shutting down the natural production of the hormones, so the axis is flattened out, and that can take a long time to come back. It's variable, it does come back. But, of course, the thing you get with these guys is they're shutting it down, so then between two cycles, they're taking post-cycle therapy, and the, the medications they're taking for that have got their own inherent health risks. So there's the effects on fertility, there's uh, the shutting down of the axis, there are um, a range of complex neuropsychiatric effects, there are effects on sleep, and then there are a whole bunch of things that they're doing to try and mitigate the risks. And the typical ones for post-psychotherapy, that's Clomid and Novadex. What, is, what do they do to, to a man's body? Because they're, they're they estrogenic? So the, the, the concern is, um, obviously, if they're taking large doses of um, androgenic anabolic steroids, some of them are converted to estrogen by the enzyme aromatase more than others. So one of the purposes of, uh, of taking some of these uh, other medications is either to block the enzyme that converts um, testosterone through aromatase to estrogen or to block the estrogen receptors from having an effect and then they're also trying to prevent the pituitary from shutting down. Um, now, the reality is, of course, that the uh, block of estrogen is either incomplete, in which case they're going to get the gynecomastia or the breast development anyway, or if it is complete, 
then they're removing something that um, the body fundamentally needs, so that men need estrogen. And, uh, and what's critical is the ratio of testosterone to estrogen. So if you disturb that ratio, um, then you are going to affect sexual function. You, again, you're going to affect the brain, the bones, um, the health of your blood vessels, um, all of which are um, sort of parts of physiology and health that are dependent not on testosterone directly, but on estrogen. And moreover, the notion that um, by using these things you can somehow prevent the axis from shutting down is also not um, founded in any good science. So when a man comes off a cycle of testosterone, what happens to his natural levels? Well, the natural levels will be profoundly suppressed. And then um, they, they will come up over time. Now, the idea of, uh, of trying to enhance them by um, taking an aromatase inhibitor, blocking any residual estrogen, um, by uh, taking Clomid and um, blocking any feedback to try and stimulate the axis may do so to some extent, but it's certainly not going to hasten the natural recovery and it's certainly not going to hasten um, any degree of um, repair from the adverse effects that might have occurred. And indeed, these medications, as I've said, have their own um, adverse consequences. And mentally, when uh, users are going through that period where they're trying to cycle off, uh, typically, what does that do to their heads going from having the testosterone level of, say, 10 men to having less than, than normal? What's yeah. the danger with that? I mean, I don't know that there's any systematic study of this. Not that I've seen. There may be. But, um, you know, the, these um, drugs all have powerful effects on the brain. And uh, to some extent, exactly what it is for a particular individual, I think, would largely depend on the mix of things being taken. But what else occurs with that individual in their own Particular physiology, so um, I I would imagine, and I think this is true for most, that there would be cyclical changes in moods, with um, variable degrees of agitation or flattening of mood when coming off. Certainly, some of the sleep disturbance is due to being hyped up, you know, with increased anxiety and agitation. And I think it's a common feature for all of these people who are uh, using these drugs for recreational purposes and are doing so very ill-advisedly, I'd have to say, that they get some kinds of neuropsychiatric effects. Now, when you stop them, the extent to which recovery is, is rapidly occurring is going to depend partly on the psychological dependence that's occurred, uh, partly on, on whether there's any other underlying disorder like a body dysmorphia. I mean, if you just don't like the way you look, and every time you stop them, you think that there's an extra role or an extra this or a little bit of less of that. That's going to play into it. And then depression has a powerful effect to suppress testosterone by itself. So the notion that um, some medical practitioners are suggesting or even contemplating that they might support withdrawal of use um, by titrating down the doses, I don't think is a useful strategy. And really the useful strategy is if you're going to quit, you quit and then monitor recovery. And for a very small subgroup, um, they may need some support because of the prolonged nature of recovery, but usually that's because there's another neuropsychiatric problem going on. And, uh, you know, I think that there ought to be access to mental health professionals to assist with this process so that it's not something that's going to fall on any one sector of, uh, of the healthcare community. And it's common for users to... Rather than cycle off, as you know, it should be advised. I suppose if you're going to take steroids, they do what's called cruising and just stay on it, stay on 
testosterone for up to years, uh, as Mark did, who told his story earlier. What does that do? Does that potentially shut someone down permanently? Yeah, I mean, effectively, you're precluding recovery of the axis by doing that. And it becomes an issue when, um, you know, a, a, a wife or a partner wants to know, why aren't we, um, why aren't we having a baby, darling? And, uh, and, you know, that leads to some angst, and um, that's often a time when people are presenting for treatment. But it's an overriding concern for many of these young guys, and they're, ex- they're seeking um, post-cycle therapy and supportive therapy on the notion that they may be able to abrogate those effects. Um, frankly, I know people feel their bodies look better, but ultimately I haven't seen a lot of good come from this type of stuff. What happens to fertility? So it, it, large doses of, the, of these drugs, and when you combine them, um, will suppress the production of sperm. And, and the more uh, you combine these agents and the higher the doses, the more complete the suppression is. But also from taking uh, things like aromatase inhibitors, uh, you know, there's also the potential under those circumstances to lead to some permanent damage of the tubules of the testis, and that's certainly been described. Um, some of the other drugs that, uh, you know, people are taking, tamoxifen, for example, um, have uh, quite significant toxicity in the liver uh, and also cause toxicity um, in terms of how the um, blood lipids are metabolized. And those abnormalities add to the risk of uh, cardiovascular disease and stroke. Blood pressure goes up with these medications and can do so quite variably in different individuals. And if uh, if someone has got um, obstructive sleep apnea, then cycling through this um, makes that condition worse. And many of these guys are building huge muscle around their neck and stuff, maybe occluding their airways. They're also taking growth hormone and, and those kind of things which are gonna add to the problem of occluding the airways and causing sleep apnea. It also enlarges organs. Is that another part of the complication? Yeah. um, You know, people who have growth hormone-producing tumors and have excess levels of growth hormone in their blood have larger tongues, they have um, increased soft tissue around their neck, and that adds to the risk of of collapsing the airways overnight and, and stopping breathing and having repeated episodes of dropping the oxygen level in the blood. In and of itself, that will also cause cardiac effects, musculoskeletal effects. And then there's this rather bizarre notion that um, these peptides might be good for tendon repair, whereas contrary um, situation is the case, that they increase the risk of tendon injuries. Is there a safe age for men to take testosterone? Well, there's no safe age to behave like this. I mean, if testosterone is needed, then it's needed for therapeutic purposes. And there are you know, reasons why that it would or would not be prescribed. But to go out and suggest that it's a reasonable thing to do to take large doses of these drugs to augment your appearance uh, or to perform better in the sporting arena is uh, is not a pathway to ultimately good health. And I think you've probably spoken already to someone who's outlined the journey that they went through in this context. And quite frankly, that would be typical, I would imagine. So when's testosterone replacement therapy used? Well, if the normal process of producing testosterone is defective, then you would replace it. Now, in seeing someone with a low testosterone, there are reasons to have a low testosterone that have got nothing to do with inherent pathology. So, you know, you kind of call that functional hypogonadism. So you see that in people with obesity and the metabolic syndrome with 
the various aspects of metabolism with disturbed um, ability to regulate blood sugar and blood fats, and the testosterone is low very frequently in that condition. With weight loss, it comes back up perfectly normally, suggesting it's a functional problem. People with depression, that can suppress testosterone quite markedly. Um, seems to be particular subtypes of depression, so not everyone with depression will get that. And then we've got this other problem where people are taking um, opioids and they're being prescribed widely by general practitioners, much like paracetamol was prescribed when I was a student. And again, this is a bizarre uh, thing to be doing because it absolutely switches off the production of testosterone. And um, that would make pain worse. And, and moreover, these medications have their own inherent problems in, in, in um, kindling pain. So, so it's a double uh, whammy in terms of inappropriate drug use. And then, you know, when people stop smoking, interestingly enough, their testosterone levels fall for a while, but that's not a reason to smoke, really. Uh, what's the timeline for recovering your testosterone levels? Say if you'd just done a cycle of steroids and then you came off, how long does it take to return to a normal level? Well, we don't actually know for sure. Um, we, we think it's reasonably quick unless there's something else going on. Um, and, and the something else going on might be someone who's taking opioids, other medications, got a mood disorder, etc. Um, and again, we don't know the prevalence because, of course, if these men are presenting for medical care, it's under circumstances where they're either not declaring what they're doing or they declared what they're doing, but they're seeking um, someone to prescribe for them. So, you know, there's a whole lot of subterfuge and stuff goes on, which I think creates its own set of problems. In that process of recovering your testosterone levels, what can happen sexually? Yeah, so if, if I load you up with testosterone and suppress your axis and then I, I discontinue it, it'll disappear at a sort of fairly predictable half-life depending on the, the um, type of testosterone used. And then within a period, I mean, it may be days or weeks depending on what you took, um, you're going to start noticing some effects, which are withdrawal effects, and would kick in prior to... Um, you know, your own access picking up recovery. But there are many reasons for the for men who are doing these things to have sexual dysfunction, um, including whether their relationships have been affected, uh, whether they're invested in those relationships, and so on and so forth. So primarily, uh, if, if there's erectile dysfunction, um, and, and that can certainly occur, uh, that may even be reflecting some of the damage that's occurring to blood vessels because you need blood flow to get the hydraulic effect. Sexual desire can be affected for a whole range of reasons. And I can tell you that for many young men, you don't need a lot of testosterone to have normal sexual function. A beautiful woman will do. Uh, I think that a lot of these people, they um, taking steroids will then need to throw in Viagra or Cialis if they've been using for a sustained period of time. It'll become normal to just use that. Is that a long-term solution? Well, again, you know, there's very little data on, on what happens long-term, because this is not something that people will just volunteer to be studied or um, you can easily recruit a cohort. Um, so just going back briefly to the previous question you asked before I deal directly with a sexual dysfunction issue, we don't actually know how long recovery takes normally, but the figures that are bandied around the books are somewhere between six and 18 months. Now, you know, you tell someone who's a bodybuilder that it's going to take six to 18 months to recover their access, it's not well received. Are they potentially not getting erections or having a lot of dysfunction in that time? I, again, I think that would be variable. 
the extent to which that occurs. It's, and, and it also depends on the extent to which they're taking other drugs. I mean, sexual function, yeah, testosterone, but in order for the testosterone to have the desired effect in the brain, it's converted to estrogen. If you block your aromatase, you don't, you don't have any estrogen. And blood vessel function similarly. Um, the ability of a blood vessel to, to dilate up and deliver blood flow is estrogen dependent. Some people might say, um, oh, well, if I can't recover my testosterone levels, I'll just be on TRT for the rest of my life. And I'm not particularly fussed by that. Why is that problematic? It was not problematic to me. It's only problematic to me if I'm colluding and prescribing testosterone. I don't think our role as, as healthcare practitioners is to collude with something we know is harmful. Um, we don't prescribe alcohol to people who've got a drinking problem. Um, if people choose to access it, then they access it. And I mean, you can't regulate the supply of every substance you wish somebody wasn't using, uh, particularly when it's got therapeutic application. So if people choose to engage in, in certain behaviors and they're doing so either because they don't know the risk or because they know the risk, but they're doing it for some secondary gain and we don't really understand the purpose of that and haven't been able to, I suppose, uh, create an environment where they might seek uh, assistance for that on its own merits. It is what it is. But um, it, it's deserving of um, significant education. I think the place to, to educate young men, of course, is in the schools. And, and they will be receptive. And I think it also buys into the culture of how you look. So a lot of it is driven by that um, body dysmorphia, whether you're muscular enough. Um, and, you know, the gyms encourage this sort of behavior. And then there's the whole kind of other aspect of this, which is the belief that's more of something is necessarily better for some reason or another, and of course that's not the case at all. Is it the case that the more anabolics uh, and androgens that you pile together, the more damaging the effect? Yeah, I mean, you will get more muscle, we know that. Um, yeah, the, those studies were done oh, decades ago showing that the more you give, the more muscle will, will develop, won't necessarily be the most functional muscle, but it will develop, and the more you exercise with that, of course, it does what it's meant to do. and People know that or they wouldn't take it. But at the same time, there's the downside. And I think that downside is substantial and um, and sustained for a very long period thereafter. I think that many of these individuals end up damaged, seriously damaged. And what do you think they're not considering when they rush into losing steroids? They're just looking at all the positives without knowing all the negatives. I don't really know because, I mean, you know, again, there are not a lot of studies done in this group of individuals to try and really understand um, the antecedents of the behavior. Because um, it's illegal. <clears throat> well, yeah, because it's illegal. I mean, it may well start because of um, some peer influences, because of some influences down at the gym, because of, you know, wanting to look better uh, or perform better. But then it kind of locks you in. Uh, and you're stuck with it to a certain extent and all the behaviors and costs and so on that go with it. It almost becomes a self-driving lifestyle in and, in and of itself. But never had the opportunity to say to someone, if you had to choose this again, would you choose this? And, uh, you know, how do you recruit a cohort of, uh, of people who are engaging in this sort of behavior to come and be open and frank with you when you at the same time are not going to say, I'm supporting this behavior? 
I'm not going to prescribe for you and I want you to suffer and come off the stuff is not a good way to uh, build a relationship of, uh, you know, mutual information giving. And I, I, I don't see a way around that, to be honest. What would you say to those who say that there's a safe way to do steroids? I don't think there's a safe way to do it. Is there a safer way to do it? And yeah, sure, there are ways you can minimize harm. But I don't think you totally ever do that. And most people are getting their steroids off the black market. Not They're not pharmaceutical grade. They're being bought off the internet. And oh, I think there's a mix. But yeah, a lot of it's coming off the internet. And what what's coming off the internet is not just the um, pharmaceutical, but you can buy pharmaceutical grade uh, testosterone off the internet. It's not particularly expensive. But they're also buying veterinary uh, testosterone preparations, uh, where, where there are known um, adverse... And of course, all of these drugs, if you take enough of them, are going to have adverse effects on multiple organ systems, liver, kidney, and so on, cardiovascular, and, and they're taken with other things. So people are now taking SARMs, which are the selective androgen response modulators. These are often steroid, kind of steroid-like molecules that have been abandoned by the pharmaceutical industry is not worth developing. But they find a home... <laughs> And what's the risk with those? Well, the risk is, firstly, we don't know what they do. So we don't know how uh, on or off target the effects necessarily are. They haven't been studied in proper clinical trials to uh, get a good sense of, of, of what the adverse effects are. So people are rolling the dice if they're choosing to use this stuff. I mean, the, the truth of it is that it is not normal for testosterone to decrease with age. So if you stay lean and fit and active... Your test and, and having regular sex, your testosterone level stays fine. And um, when you look at healthy elderly people, like when they looked at the Okinawa centenarians, so these are people who, or a group of um, people who have a high percentage of their population that, that live to be 100. So what characterizes these people is um, the way their community is structured, their interactions, their spirituality. Um, they don't smoke, they don't drink alcohol. Uh, they eat a high um, organic, off-the-land kind of diet. They never overeat, uh, and they maintain a, a reasonable degree of humor and activity. Their testosterone level stays just fine. They don't fall. So if someone shuts themselves down um, from cycling, what, do they, what should they do, or what can they do? Well, I think the best thing that they can do is, is seek some psychological and, uh, and some clinical help that includes discontinuing the habit. I mean, if you're going to stop smoking, you don't continue to smoke. And if you're alcoholic, you don't continue to drink alcohol. And if you're abusing anabolic steroids, you don't continue to, to use them. You come off or you don't. And if you're serious about it, then you need a team of people who are understanding of the circumstances uh, and, and are uh, willing to engage with you. But more importantly, you're willing to engage with them however difficult the, the issue may get. But this notion that you know testosterone falls off to the age of 50 is, is an absolute nonsense. How similar is it to other drug addictions? Oh, look, it's very similar. I mean, addictive behavior is addictive behavior. And uh, you know, there's a secondary gain. Uh, they do it for a particular purpose, um, makes them feel good in some way, shape, or form, and there's a psychological dependence. It's not like smoking where you get this profound physical dependence. But there's a form of dependence on this stuff that makes it very difficult to move away from the lifestyle that it gives. If you got something out of this episode, please leave a comment and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us grow the show so we can keep bringing you the content that matters. Also, guys, it's really important that we're part of the conversation about our health and well-being. 
and it's easy to do. Just Google Freemasons Foundation Center for Men's Health and click on the Men's Health Register to sign up and help out with much-needed surveys and studies that make us all better off. If you want to stay up to date with what we're doing and get involved, get onto the Youngblood Podcast Community Facebook group and follow Youngblood Podcast on Instagram. And if you're keen to get in touch with me, email youngbloodpodcast, all one word, at hotmail.com. This is Youngblood. Thanks for joining us. Catch you next time.